Welcome back, everybody. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. This is Wicked Sources, and every week I bring you news info that could affect you, including alternative products that can bring a little comfort to your life. I'm your host, Mike, broadcasting from L.A., and this is a segment called Know Your Cannabis, Everything Weed. This week, looks like there's already a lot happening, and it's just Monday morning. So as you can see here, tons of stuff in the feed. Today, we're going to cover a few things like Kentucky looking to um, pass some kind of bill for cannabis. That's positive news. Um, Also, the CDC talking about how they want to advise uh, companies that have drivers and how they should proceed with allowing them to consume cannabis in a responsible fashion. Um, And, of course, we have one more story after that with a break in between somewhere where I can take a breather and collect my thoughts. So if you find value in the video, smash the like, subscribe if you want to stick around. All right, first up, we have this story here. Um, An utter failure. Law meant to clear old convictions, including for cannabis possession, helps few. So I covered this a few weeks back. Um, There have been a lot of talks about expunging old Uh, cases and um, offenses that people who had maybe small possessions of cannabis and uh, got that on their record or very small kind of um, sales uh, distribution charges, things of that nature. Um, But it's not going far enough. So here we have some information. When state legislators passed a criminal justice reform bill in 2018, Massachusetts Residents won the ability to clear away certain criminal records, including convictions for cannabis possession and other now-legal activities. That can make it difficult to land a job, rent an apartment, and or otherwise move on with your life. Uh, Three years later, here we are, only a fraction of those who are likely eligible for relief have had their records expunged. Massachusetts Probation Service data suggests that people who were previously arrested for, charged with, or convicted of a crime submitted just 2,100 petitions to expunge their records between January of 2019 and July, uh, of which 352 were eventually approved by state judges, or about 16%. That's a pretty small number compared to the 21-2200 people who had submitted uh, paperwork. Uh, And of those 352 probation officials could definitely identify only 17 related to cannabis, a statistic they first began tracking partially in January. While the state could not say exactly how many people are potentially eligible for expungements, advocates insist the pool runs into the tens of thousands. Yeah, I'd say easily. Um, In the previous story I had covered about this, there were like half a million people who had their records expunged across the nation uh, from some of the largest states, like California being one. Uh, For example, there were about 68,800 civil or criminal violations of cannabis possession issued in Massachusetts from 2000 through 2013 and 8,000-plus arrests for selling or possessing cannabis each year from 95 to 2008. That's crazy. Um, And cannabis charges are only one of a number of past incidents that can be wiped clean under the law after enough time has passed. 
Critics attribute the low numbers of expungements to restrictive eligibility criteria, a lack of outreach to former defendants, disorganized state records, and a lengthy application process that ultimately gives judges wide latitude to reject even seemingly qualified requests with little explanation. They go on to say, in quotes, our expungement uh, statute has been an utter failure. Um, An attorney at Harvard Law School Charles Hamilton Houston Institute for Race and Justice, who specializes in criminal justice policies. We could be helping people on a much grander scale, but instead we're seeing this paltry uh, piecemeal effort, and even that has been almost totally frustrated in part by a bench that is often a lot less progressive than the legislation it's charged with carrying out. Naturally so. Um, The people who sit in these positions um, that can make the call, more often than not, they're a little bit older and they're not necessarily progressive. Uh, And we're tasked with oftentimes um, passing down these judgments to these these people with these cases. Uh, And now they're being asked to change their mind all of a sudden. So it seems kind of easy You know, if it looks like it's a small situation, even in the disorganization of uh, much of the paperwork involved with these cases, if it looks like we're talking a few grams, like that's a no-brainer. I mean, why disregard that or throw it out and say, sorry, uh, we can't uh, can't proceed with this because it looks um, unorganized in some fashion. I don't understand what the uh, the issue is there, but hopefully maybe we can read more and find out. Uh, twenty the twenty eighteen law bars the expungement of violent or sexual crimes and practically any offense committed after the age of twenty one. And importantly, it prohibits anyone with more than one entry on their record from obtaining an expungement, unless the other offenses are motor vehicle violations that resulted in a fine of less than fifty dollars. The only exceptions are special circumstances such as mistaken identity or conduct that is no longer illegal, as with cannabis, which together accounted for just 298 attempted petitions out of the 2,200 or so. It also makes former defendants responsible for learning of the expungement program, determining their eligibility, tracking down the relevant records within the state's patchwork of police and court filing systems, which is got to be a nightmare, uh, and submitting them along with petition to the state probation department. If an application is cleared by the probation department to go before a judge, the office of the district attorney who originally brought the charges is then given a chance to object. Why? Why? I mean, if it looks like it should be expunged and it's pretty straightforward, why would they need to object? Um, unless there's probably other cases behind it, then I understand. But if we're talking just cannabis, why why take it that far? Crazy, man. So the CDC gives workplace cannabis policy advice to businesses that employ drivers. Uh, if you're a driver, commercial driver of any type, local or nationwide, this is uh, potentially good news, but let's find out what it's saying. Uh, the CDC is giving advice to businesses on how to develop cannabis policies that respect state legislation legislation laws but mitigate the risk of impaired driving. In a post published last week, um, the CDC for Occupational Safety and Health, the agency said that there are inherent risks 
risks to driving under the influence of THC, but the issue is nuanced due to distinct state policies and that the fact that there is currently no tool in widespread use to detect active impairment from cannabis. To that end, it laid out best practices for employers that recognize that cannabis-specific uh, contribution to crash risk is unclear because it can be detected in body fluids for days or even weeks after use. So if you didn't know, if you smoke cannabis last night uh, but aren't intoxicated the next day and you get into an accident and they test you, you're going to come up positive for um, THC. But doesn't mean you smoked it that morning. It was from the night before. So employers should create cannabis policies that account for current laws in each state where your company operates, says the CDC. Uh, for example, New York's Department of Labor recently updated its drug testing policies to widely block employers from screening for THC. We did talk about this, and it's spreading across the nation. Since cannabis was legalized in the state, it does carve out certain exceptions, however, including for workers contracted by the Federal Department of Transportation, like bus drivers. Uh, CDC did argue that an ideal policy should, at minimum, prohibit workers from using cannabis on the job or showing up to work impaired. It also recommended partnering with an attorney who can review your policy and provide feedback. If drug testing is a part of a business's cannabis policy, employers should make sure that the conditions under which a worker might be tested are clear that a trained medical professional is available to accurately interpret THC testing results and that drivers are adequately informed about the risks of consuming CBD products that might be mislabeled and contain excess THC levels that could be detectable in a screening, which would be 0.3% or above. Further, the agency recommends that employers provide access to support for employees with drug problems, either through in-house programs or referrals. In quotes, they say, despite some unanswered questions about cannabis role in crash risk, workers under the influence of cannabis do not have the skills needed to drive safely. I beg to differ. The post concludes because... Cannabis use is on the rise for adults in the U.S. This substance need to, needs to be addressed by all workplace motor vehicle safety programs. Experts and advocates have emphasized that the evidence isn't clear on the relationship between THC concentrations in the blood and impairment. Basically saying it's tough to determine if somebody is actually high um, when the crash occurs or they're not. So, I don't know. It's still kind of shaky ground there, and um, there's going to be somebody out there, some kind of technology company that's going to figure out how to do some uh, some type of testing that can determine if you are or you aren't, hopefully with very little uh, error rate, but there's no guarantees of that. So with that, I'm going to take a quick break, drink some water, collect my thoughts, and I'll be back to end this segment. This episode is partly brought to you by Grassdoor.com. If you want cannabis delivered fast, Grassdoor.com can get it done in 45 minutes or less with over 500 plus products, daily deals, and all your favorites like flour, pre-rolls, vapes, edibles, and concentrates. There is no better place to turn. Right now, you can save 25% on any order that's $30 and above if you use the coupon code ARK that is all capital letters A-R-K grassstore.com get your weed today anchor.fm 
you've ever wondered about starting a podcast, now is the best time. Anchor.fm allows you to record, add music, transitions, and so much more. They'll even help you distribute your podcast to multiple platforms, all automatically. Anchor.fm. Try it today. All right, for all of you in Kentucky, this could be great news. Depends on who you are and whether or not you like cannabis. So lawmakers uh, pre-file cannabis legalization bills for 2022 session in Kentucky. A lawmaker announced on Monday that she is pre-filing bills to legalize it. Uh, limited sales and home cultivation of cannabis in the state for 2022 with endorsements from several leading advocacy groups. Uh, Republican Nima um, Kulkarni is taking a dual-track approach to the reform with one bill to have the legislature adopt the policy as a statutory measure and another to enact legalization through a constitutional amendment that would go before voters. Generally speaking, the measures would accomplish the same central objective of ending prohibition. Um, um, They're meant to complement each other by giving lawmakers an opportunity to pass legalization in the short term while allowing voters to constitutionally enact the reform as a more permanent fix that gives cannabis use the constitutional protection it deserves. In quotes, she says, I am sponsoring these bills for several reasons, any one of which should be enough for them to become law. First, Current cannabis statutes have needlessly and tragically ruined many lives, especially people of color who have suffered because of unequal enforcement. Second, thousands of citizens, from cancer patients to veterans, suffering from PTSD should have the right to use something that gives them the mental and physical relief they deserve without relying on stronger, potentially addictive medications. Third, cannabis decriminalization would give the state a much-needed source of reliable revenue without raising current taxes a single cent. question is, is how much do they want to tax it? Under one of the lawmakers' pre-filed bills, a constitutional amendment would be placed on the ballot if three-fifths of the House and Senate approve uh, during next year's session. If passed by voters, adults 21 and older would be able to possess, purchase, and sell up to one ounce of cannabis. They could also grow up to five plants for personal use. Well, we'll see what happens in 2022. What do you guys think about all of this information? A lot happening, as always. And the whole purpose of this segment of Know Your Cannabis is to um, is educate and kind of share what is happening. Uh, it affects all of us. Whether you're on this side of the country or on the other side of the country, it matters not. Uh, ultimately, um, as consumers of this plant, knowing what is happening and how it's going to be um, regulated uh, is important. It helps us to maybe be able to speak up if something isn't going particularly right. So taxation in Kentucky, they're desperate. They're hungry for some kind of revenue. It's something I thought about when I started seeing more uh, more talks about decriminalizing. I'm like, okay, the government needs money and they don't want to raise taxes, at least not in the sense of um, just straight out telling you they're raising taxes. They may find creative ways to do it. Uh, like buried in thousands of pages of something that nobody's going to read, but they'll all vote for. 
on the other on the other hand this is something that um, people have been asking for for a long time and if they approve it they can also tax the shit out of it which we are seeing currently hence why we have many many black markets across the country and they're all thriving last time i checked just in california alone the black market does about 8 to 9 billion dollars annually the legal market is about 3 to 4 billion annually so it's a huge difference so if they're going to continue taxing it um, in such excess who's who's going to buy it you know the the money that they're all hoping for may never come on the other side we have truck drivers who can benefit from this too um, they're a very critical part of our society and I don't think people appreciate them enough but I do without you guys I can't fill up my store full of stuff without you guys I can't buy groceries or any other type of food or clothing or essentials we need you guys and if a little bit of cannabis can bring a little comfort to your life where um, it makes the job a little more tolerable to do please smoke some weed uh, by all means Um, just not on the job and not behind the wheel and, you know, obviously being responsible. So what do you guys think? Leave them down below. This is a segment called Know Your Cannabis, all about weed. I hope you guys enjoyed. I'll catch you guys on the next one.